Okay, let's pray. And then we're going to look at Psalm 33. Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing us here tonight and gathering us. And some of these folks, they've been busy all day. They got up early this morning, had some time with you, went to work. They've been at work all day. Maybe they got a, a small meal and then they're here. And Lord, bless them for their faithfulness to you. Perhaps others have to leave here and, and go home to get right to bed so they can get up early again tomorrow morning. And again, Lord, we need your strength for every day. We need your wisdom for this time as we study your word. We, we don't want just our own thoughts. Lord, we want to think your thoughts after you. We want to think according to the way you think. And we thank you for your word that opens up uh, your mind to us. Obviously, it doesn't teach us everything about you, but it teaches us the parts that we ought to know and we need to know in order to uh, glorify you, in order to serve you, in order to love you, and we do love you. So we ask for your help, your Holy Spirit, to meet with us. We claim your promise that where two or three are gathered in your name. There you are in the midst of them. And make our prayer time tonight uh, 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 exciting because you are at work, because you do answer prayer, because prayer matters. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, Psalm 33 um, we're, we're talk, we talked last week about why we worship, and I'm going to review that in a second. But these verses, again, they talk about worship. So Psalm 33, verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. So that talks about our worship and the, the musical part of our worship. And then it gives us the reason that we worship Verse 4, 4, or you can read because, here's the reason, the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. One of the exciting things we had uh, happen to us in Mongolia from time to time is we would have a box arrive from the United States, usually sent by one of our parents, my parents, my wife's parents, for the children. Although there were always things in there for us, it was another family, the White family, they would often send us a box. So maybe not really once a month, but you know, four or five times a year, obviously around Christmas, but even other times of the year, a box would arrive at the... Um, at the, at the post office. And uh, they always, it was expensive to ship things to Mongolia, even by the slow boat to China, as my mom called it. We wouldn't even necessarily be airmail, but it would cost a lot of money. So they would carefully pack just as much as they could in there. There were no, none of these plastic baggies filled with air, none of that. No newspaper crushed in there. Every little corner that they could was just packed with stuff. And so the delight was to open up that box. I, 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 I don't remember ever opening one before I got home because I wanted to be part of the excitement. I'd take it home. We'd open that box and we'd start pulling things out. And, you know, we had four kids. They just want to pull everything out at once. No, 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 no. We'd pull out one eye. Oh, that's great. You know, put it away. Pull another. It was great. The box was full of good things. And when it says here, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, I think that's how God wants us to enjoy life. Now, I, I admit there are times I've gone through some really painful, difficult circumstances, and I didn't see a whole lot of the Lord's goodness because my eyes were closed to it. But day by day, isn't God so good to us? Yes. Gives us stuff to eat, gives us homes to be in, gives us family, gives us a good church. Uh, so many good things that he blesses us with. And it's easy to overlook those. Um, Jesse was reminding me, answers to prayer we've had, folks whose medical diagnosis 
was either terminal or not very good. And yet we prayed and prayer matters and God chose to heal them. And it's easy to just, oh, yeah, that's great. And then we go on and we forget to look back and thank God for his goodness. So when we worship, when we gather to worship, let's remind ourselves that we're worshiping a God who is full of goodness. He's full of loving kindness and he packs our lives with that goodness and with that loving kindness as well. Let's start with a little bit of review about why we worship. Um, why do we worship? Question, last week, we talked about this. If you weren't here last week, that's okay. You can catch up, you can take notes, but who was here last week remembers one of the reasons that we worship. Why do we worship God? Yes. Yeah, he's worthy. He's worthy. We looked at Revelation 4.11. For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So God deserves our worship. That's one of the reasons we worship him. Good. I, I won't, I'll try not to get sidetracked here. What's, what's another reason that we worship God? Good understanding. Good understanding. Well, a man who has good understanding is certainly going to worship God. I agree with that. What else? He created us to worship him. Yeah, he created us to worship him. Your dog does not worship, right? Your cat doesn't worship. Some of you have fish in a little bowl, right? They don't build a little altar out of the stones at the bottom, the little rocks at the bottom. They don't do that. But almost everywhere you go in the world, you can find ample evidence, just obvious evidence that somebody is worshiping something. Not all the true God, I understand that, but they're worshiping something. Because God, as, as one person put it, put a God, when he created us, put a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. And so we feel this need to worship something. And that's because God created us to worship him, right? We talked about the fact that page upon page in the scriptures is given to telling God's people exactly how to worship him, how to build the tabernacle, what sacrifices to offer, what the festivals are. In uh, Second Chron uh, First Chronicles, excuse me, the end of the book there, there are several chapters that are devoted to how David organized the temple worship, even though the temple wasn't built yet, anticipating the building of the temple. Um, and then, of course, we looked at those verses that talked about magnifying the Lord, about exalting him, magnifying to make him big, to, to, to focus, to, to bring our attention and our focus to bear on him so we see him more clearly and to exalt him, to lift him up. And uh, so those are some of the reasons that we worship. And then the key conclusion is that worship is not about what satisfies me, but worship is about what satisfies God. How does God want me to worship? Not what do I feel like doing or, you know, what, what makes me happy or how do I feel after we're done worshiping? It's about who God is. Our worship is about who God is. Peter. Um, I don't remember explaining the difference between worship and music. It's okay. You know what happens sometimes, Peter, is I, thank you, I say something, and I really do mean it, but as soon as I say it, it sort of goes into the archives, and then I can't pull it out of the archives anymore. Yeah, okay, so... Um, Feel free to bring that up again. We're going to get together Friday. Feel free to bring that up Friday, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll write myself a note and see if between now and Friday I can. Uh, um. Sorry for putting you on the spot. I no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. You can put me on the spot. 
It's all right. Um, we drew a corollary from that too. The fact that our worship is directed at God, it's about God, it's about what pleases Him. It's a prop, I said it's propositional, not emotional. We're making statements about who God is and what He has done. It's not how we feel. And I, we drew a corollary from that. We said, because of that, your unsaved friends, neighbors, family who come to join us, what, what is their experience typically going to be when they join us for worship? Yes, Matt. Yeah, they're probably going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be anything they've done before because they don't worship God, do they? Now, you and I, I hope you're taking time every day to praise God and to worship Him just privately, if not with your, and if you have a family, also with your family. I hope you're doing that. So when you come on Sunday, when we sing these songs on Wednesday night, that, that's just an extension of what you do. But your unsaved friends, your unsaved neighbors, and by the way, don't misunderstand me. You, please do invite them to come join us. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't invite them. But if they later say to you, I've never done that before. Okay, yeah, that's, that's true. You know, it'd be the same as you or me going to um, uh, some rock group concert here in San Francisco, right? I've never done that before. I hope you haven't either. If you have, don't tell me about it, okay? But you know, I'd feel very uncomfortable. It's not the music I listen to. It's not the crowd I'm usually with. Uh, it just wouldn't be, feel like I should belong there. That's understandable. And uh, the reason I say that is because often a church will choose to change their worship style and they'll give the reason we want people to feel more, the, the unsaved people to feel more comfortable here. But then what are you doing? You're directing your worship toward the people rather than directing your worship toward God. And worship is about who God is, not about how I feel or what I'm comfortable with. And, and I've even worshipped with uh, Christians around the world, worshipped with Christians. And I may not know the song that they're singing. I may not understand their prayer because they're praying in a language that I don't, I don't know. But you can tell when their hearts are directed toward God. And then you feel like you can still participate in that same spirit that your heart is, you're lifting your heart up to the Lord in that time of worship. Okay. Um, we then, then we talked about how we worship. What do we do uh, to prepare for worship on, on Saturday night even, on Sunday morning, and then about uh, coming uh, to our, our service and being on time, being, being early, early even, meeting with people, looking for visitors to, to greet. Then we got to the singing part. And um, we, we spent a lot of time on singing last week. We'll spend more time on singing again this week because singing is really the heart of our congregational worship. I, I also agree that the sermon is part of our worship, and that's on my list. We're going to talk about that. But the, the, the part that you participate in with your voice, the part you participate in with your heart, most likely is that singing. And so I encourage you to um, sing to the Lord, number one. You're not singing for me. You're not singing for each other. You're not singing for the person standing next to you. You're singing for the Lord. Secondly, to remember that singing to God comes out of a spirit-filled life and is an expression of a spirit-filled life. And then we talked about the words that we sing. And I encourage you to think about the words you sing. We sort of categorize songs just briefly so that you'd have an idea uh, or so that you would begin to think about what kind of song is this. Not because the categories are important or Scotty's trying to pick one song from each category because he's not. But I, I asked you to think about what you're singing. 
especially if you've grown up with these songs, it can be very easy just to sing the words and never even think about what you're singing. And we don't want to approach congregational music as a ritual. That brings us to where we are um, tonight. And that is, uh, go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. We talked about this last week, but let me emphasize it again this week. Here's the statement. Then we're going to look at Psalm 100 to find it there in the psalm. When we sing, whether you're singing individually and when we sing congregationally, we are entering into God's presence. Here's Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Come before His presence with singing. So I like to imagine, just to help me participate in the congregational singing, I like to imagine, well, imagine's the wrong word, and you'll understand why in a second, but I'll stick with that verb. I like to imagine that God is right here with us listening to our singing. Because he is. That's not my imagination. He is. Now, I know he's everywhere. He's not especially here in a way that he's not at another church. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when I sing, I'm not singing for you or for me or, you know, yeah, what do you think, Warren, about that? I, I, I don't know. I'm singing to the Lord because he's here with us. And so when we sing congregationally, I want you to understand we are entering into God's presence. How about the announcements? You know, we make announcements every Sunday. And the announcements are part of our time of worship as well. And uh, I, I got uncomfortable with announcements for a while because I'm thinking to, I was thinking to myself, I'm just telling you my own personal journey, I was thinking to myself, what do the announcements have to do with the rest of our worship? And I brought this to someone's attention and this, this person was very helpful to me. They said, you know, organization is important to our church. And uh, getting out information is important to us being a body to being a community. And yes, I guess we could you know, do that at a completely different time, but it just seems right to him. And I took, heard what he had to say and, and, and that we want to make announcements during our time of worship so that you all can participate in the community that is Elmira Baptist Church. So you can be a part of the family. I don't know about you, but from time to time, I've said to my kids and my wife, hey, we need to have a family meeting, right? We all get together and we maybe talk about a vacation we're getting ready to take. Or maybe guess what? The next day is a house cleaning day. <laughs> and we've got, my wife and I have got some things assigned to different people and we've got a plan and when we're going to start and where the, and we have a meeting. So we know what we're all doing. That's what we're doing during the announcements. We're having a church family meeting so that you know what's going on here so you can participate. So in light of that, let me, let me ask you to do three things when you listen to the announcements. First of all, consider what events you might join. Think, okay, is that, is that for me? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, I, I'd like, love to, oh, I've got something scheduled. Okay, I understand you can't be here necessarily when we do our Star Watch party, although I really encourage you to come. It's a lot of fun, very informal. Get to see some things you've never, I'm, I guarantee you, if you come to the Star Watch party on September 22nd, you will likely see something you've never seen before through a telescope. Um, so, yes, uh, there, maybe you can't always make it, but consider what events you might participate in. Every once in a while, someone will come to me. This doesn't happen very often, because I've said this before, and I think people are shy now, but they'll come to me and say, I didn't know we were having a men's breakfast on Saturday morning. And I'll say, well, I've made the announcement for the last three weeks. 
It's been in the bulletin for four weeks. If you're not paying attention, I, I can't help you. I, I mean, I've said this before. I announce it verbally for those people who like to listen. And it's written down in your bulletin for those people who like to read. You don't have an excuse if you don't know what's going on here. And I don't mean that. I, yeah, I do mean that. You don't have an excuse. Now, every once in a while, something slips under the radar and all of a sudden I have to make a quick announcement. And yeah, you, you're right. I, I didn't do a very good job of communicating, but we're trying to communicate. So I'm asking you to pay attention. Don't use the announcement time as a time to, you know, write out your grocery list or think about how you're going to, what you're going to fix when you get home or that type of thing. Use that time to think what events are you going to join? What's coming up that you can be a part of? Secondly, consider where you might serve. Sometimes, uh, as we're announcing events, maybe you're a part of the kitchen crew and, and oh, I, I better make sure they need me or they don't need me or I can't be there. I need to communicate. What areas can you serve in? Sometimes we mentioned, and for example, recently, and, and I believe this has been covered, but we talked about the Operation Christmas Child, uh, needing a director. Could you do that? Think about that. Could I do that? And then third thing, and this is what I do in my bulletin, I write myself little notes. Now, I will be frank. Sometimes I write myself notes and forget to look at it. But I write myself notes, so I remind, remind myself, okay, this is something I need to do. Somebody I need to call. Something I need to sign up for. I'm really bad about signing up for things because I just figure they know the pastor's going to be there, right? Unless it's a ladies' event. The pastor's got to be there, right? But I still need to sign up. So, okay, I'm going to sign up for that. So write yourself some notes and then act on those notes. Now we've come to... Uh, uh, the part about public prayer in our meetings. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. In our time of worship, we'll have a time when somebody leads in prayer. We call this public prayer, or sometimes we call it corporate prayer, to distinguish it from private prayer. Private prayer is what you do each day in your, in your, probably in your home. Maybe some of you have another spot where you do it, but somewhere where you get alone with God and you talk with God. We have here during our time of worship, public prayer, corporate prayer. And in our times of corporate prayer, what are we doing? Now, I, again, I grew up in church. So I remember being a, a boy, teenager, particularly. And when somebody started praying, you know what I did? started thinking about something else. Because I didn't need to participate in that part. I mean, in the congregational singing, if I quit singing, everybody would know, right? But during the public prayer, if I'm not participating, how would you know? Now, I didn't look around, because I'd learned I got to keep my eyes closed, my head bowed, but I wasn't thinking about what was going on in prayer. Now, let's think about this. Matthew 18, verse 19 says this. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And then verse 24, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. These two verses give us two important um, keys, uh, things we need to understand about public prayer. First of all, during public prayer, the people who are not verbally praying, what should they be doing? And the answer is in verse 19. What should they be doing? Agreeing with the person who is praying in prayer. Now let me ask another question. This is not a trick question. Have you ever been listening to someone pray publicly and felt that you could not agree with them? 
Maybe they pray for something and you're like, I, I can't pray for that. You know what I do? I talk to God about that. This person's praying for this, Lord, but I don't, you know, I think this is what you're trying to accomplish. But either way, I'm paying attention to what they're praying and I'm, my mind isn't shut off. I'm, I'm agreeing with them or sometimes I'm disagreeing, not very often. Sometimes I'm adding things. Maybe you know something about the person that's being prayed for. And here's the public prayer. He's mentioned one request, but you know another request that that person also needs. Nothing wrong with saying, and, and God, now, I'm not saying out loud, just quietly, you know, in your mind saying, God, and also they need this too, Right. Either way, you're participating in that prayer. Because look in verse 20. It says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Again, when we are having a public prayer, God's presence is joining with us. Just like in the congregational singing, enter into his presence with singing, right? We are praying to a God who literally is there. He's hearing us. Again, it's, it's not going to voicemail. Um, when I get a call now that I don't have the numbers into my caller ID, I just let it go to voicemail. So recently I had a call go to voicemail and I was busy that day. I thought I, it was from Connecticut. Who do I know in Connecticut, right? So I just let it go to voicemail. And then um, about an hour or two later, same phone number. I recognize the same phone number. They left a second voicemail. I thought, okay, anybody who calls twice in, in an hour and leaves a voicemail. So I, I went and got the voicemail. It was our brother Livioko from the Philippines trying to make some arrangements with me. I felt terrible. So I called him back, got his voicemail. <laughs> you know what? So many times when we're dealing with a phone, we just leave a voicemail. And we know that person's going to get it later, but we just don't know how much later. But when you pray, it doesn't go to voicemail. And God picks it up later when he has time, when he's not so busy. No, no, he's right, right there with us. And so I hope when, when we have a time of public prayer, I hope that you will focus on what's being prayed, agree silently, agree or as maybe disagree, perhaps again add a request that you know is needed, but you're participating in that prayer and recognize that God is, his presence is there with us. Now I want to ask you a question uh, about public prayer. Why is it that we do not have the type of public prayer where everybody prays all at once. Um, I've been to churches where they'll say, okay, we're going to have prayer now, and there'll be 100 people there, and 80 of those people are praying. And uh, I'm not even, I don't even remember clearly how they know that the prayer time is over. But I, I, I do remember eventually it settles down and, and it goes back to something. Why don't we have everybody pray at once for whatever's on your mind? Why, again, think about the scripture we just read, okay, and tell me why in public prayer we don't have everybody praying at once. Um, there's another verse that we'll look at too. But here in this passage, it gives us a good idea of why that is not an effective way of public prayer. Yes, uh, AJ. Uh, like you said, if two of you should agree. Right. Uh, one person's doing the talking, the other one person's doing the agreeing. Agreeing, right. So only one person's talking at once. Also, God is a God of order. Yes. Yes. 1 Corinthians 14.40 tells us that God, do all things in decency and order. And that's important. But AJ said it. How can I agree with what anyone else is praying for if I'm praying and the guy next to me is praying and the guy on this side is praying, the guy in front of me is praying, the guy behind, I mean, I don't hear anything but myself. I'm not agreeing with anyone. I'm just praying myself. And so it doesn't really become public prayer. It really becomes a whole bunch of private prayer. And I hope you're praying privately. Go home, pray, 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 pray. 
I know it's important for us as a church to have public prayer where we all agree on what's being prayed for, and it's, and it's important. So that's why we have public prayer. That's why we don't have everybody praying all at once. We have one person lead, and then um, uh, the rest of us can agree with that. By the way, 1 Corinthians 14.23, just jot that down. 1 Corinthians 14.23 mentions that, and this is about speaking in tongues, but if an unbeliever comes into a, a service and everybody's speaking in tongues, how, he's going to think you're all crazy. And uh, I am, that's what the verse says. Now, let me take that a step over here. I think also when an unbeliever comes into a service and here's a hundred people all praying at the same time, he just thinks everyone's crazy. I mean, what in the world? (laughs) Now, I know and you know that God can hear everybody at once. I know that, but he doesn't. And uh, so I think for the sake of our testimony to unbelievers and doing things in decency and in order and allowing us to agree with each other in prayer, it's important to have our times of public prayer where one person prays and the rest of us uh, is, is agreeing with that person. All right, one more topic tonight and then uh, we're going to go to a time of prayer. The offering. Did you realize that the offering is also our act of worship? What are we doing in the offering as our act of worship? I'm going to throw uh, Alex under the bus. Uh, Alex, what are we doing in our time of worship? Uh, should be, how are we worshiping when we take that offering? Um, so the Lord has blessed us, right? You're right. You're giving back to him, and then you're also showing faith that he's going to provide your needs, even though like money might be tight. Yes. Amen. Right. We're giving to the Lord. I hope you I hope you're not giving to Elmira Baptist Church primarily. I hope you're giving to the Lord primarily through Elmira Baptist Church. Yes. And as he mentioned, God's already blessed us. It's it is. It's an act of faith. Now, for some of us, it's not much of an act of faith. God's blessed us. And, you know, you know where your money's coming from. But you've been and I've been at times in my life where I didn't know where my money was coming from. And the temptation is, well, I better hold on to this little amount because if I give it to the Lord, I won't have it. What about that lady when Elijah went to see the widow in Zarephath, right? And he said, I want you to make me a little cake first. And then your cruise of oil and your barrel of meal won't run out. You know what I would have said if I was that lady? No, no, no. I'm going to make cake for me, my son first. And then if there's any left, you could have some. It's not what she said. And when she took that step of faith and made a little cake for him first, God did supply our need, needs for years. And uh, so don't see the offering as just, oh, you know, we're just doing something else. No, it's part of our worship. By faith, we're giving to the Lord. Grateful that he has given so much to us and acting in faith. Now, I give weekly. I try to give weekly. I don't give every week because some weeks I forget. But I try to give weekly just to be an example to people. I like people to see that I take giving seriously too. You don't have to give weekly. Some of you may give whenever you get paid. And if you get paid monthly, you give monthly. That's fine. Some people get paid every two weeks or twice a month. And so they give every two weeks or twice a month. However the Lord leads you to give is fine is my point. I'm not telling you exactly how to do it. But I do want you to give to the Lord first. We talked about that when we looked at Proverbs 3. Give him your first fruits. Have a budget. Pull out that 10% or more as the Lord leads you and you just faithfully give that to him on the schedule he asks you to give. Don't wait until the end of the month and see if there's money left over. Because when you do it that way, there's never enough money left at the end of the month. OK, 
okay? Give to him first and see him bless you. Any questions before we go on to prayer tonight? And I know it's a little bit shorter lesson, but that's, and I do have a little bit more to say, but I want to take some time before we pray here.